0: The Happy Even After Podcast. The Happy Even After Podcast. Divorce sucks, but it doesn't need to define you, and it doesn't need to be the end of your story. The Happy Even After Podcast. Meet your host, Renee Bauer, an award-winning divorce attorney, peacemaker, author, and founder of The D-Course, an online divorce educational program. She's been doing this work for almost two decades, and she
1: is passionate about helping all women Make it out the other side. The Happy Even After podcast. Let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. I am here today with Dr. Amanda Hansen, who is a clinical psychologist turned transformational life coach for women. Her brand, Revolutionizing Midlife, is about redefining and reclaiming what it means to be a woman who is 40 plus. She's a self-proclaimed paradigm shifter and her contagious approach is one of the limitless, possibilities. Where most see roadblocks, she sees opportunities. So I am so pumped to have you. You were on a call that I was on a couple weeks ago and your energy was just like flying through the screen. So I had to have you on here. So welcome. Thank you so much, Renee, for having me. I'm super
0: happy to be here and talk all things midlife and this great, amazing, perspective yes of how we can see it as just opportunity after opportunity instead of closed door I see constant open windows everywhere I return.
1: You know, I love my 40s. So I'm 44, getting close to 45. And I love this decade. And I was at a coffee shop about a month ago and in line. And I heard a group of women who are all about my age complaining about their 40s. And it was like one thing after another. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, like weird things are happening to our bodies and stuff. But I love this decade. Like I've never felt better. So what's your take on entering midlife? Well, my take on entering midlife is
0: we've been given a really limited narrative. And so I think when there aren't other stories to attach to, we go for the one that has the only one that's ever been offered. And it says this, if you are a woman, who no longer looks youthful and who is no longer fertile. Please step aside. Mm-hmm. We are no longer as interested. And so women take this on this identity and start to over-focus and over-fixate on everything that is happening rather than the celebration of the fact wow. we are still here This amount of wisdom we have curated and brought to this part of our lives. If we took all of that energy and we had, when we're standing in the coffee shop lines, conversations about what we've learned, the ways our hearts have expanded, the ways we continue to rise and keep going. If we had those
1: conversations, can you imagine what women would be capable of? Yeah. So what do you say to someone who says it's too late for me to get remarried or too late to find love or too late to change my career? What do you Mm. say to that person?
0: It is never too late. Again, that is, here's the idea for me. It's like, I'm going to be 75 whether or not I do the thing that lives within my heart, whether I follow that desire or passion. So I'd rather walk out my 50s, 60s, 70s doing something that lights my soul on fire because those days are long to not live in my dreams. And I think, I'll be honest with you, Renee, I think that is an excuse. I think it's a way to hide behind Mm -hmm. our own expansion. So it's easier to say, oh, it's just too late. I've watched a mother, my mother who I adore, who's in her mid seventies now, has been saying since she was probably in her late thirties, it's too late. Everything's Mm. been too late. And guess what? She's still here. And she's still sad that she never fully walked out her dreams. Mm. And I don't want to live. I say to the women or, or men for that matter, anyone listening, what will, when you get to the end, when it's over, what will you regret not doing the most?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What have you done personally that has kind of rocked your world or flipped it upside down and embraced as like, okay, here's my next thing.
0: Absolutely. So two major things for me. One is being married 25 years, got married when we were babies, didn't even really negotiate what the heck we wanted out of marriage. We didn't know we were still trying to figure out who we were got married. And about two years ago, I'm 49 now. So at 47, it was a really serious come to the table and let's lay it all out and look at are we going to continue to choose each other? Mm. And if so, what do we each need? Like, let's renegotiate the terms of what this marriage will look like because the way we've been doing it thus far has been more of an existing yeah. than a thriving. And I need to thrive, and I, I'm sure you want to as well. So, one was renegotiating massive renegotiation of what it would look like to continue to be married for the second part of our life. Yeah. So, that was one. And then the other was completely shutting down the business I was doing before, which was a private practice in psychology, and now running online groups because of COVID, the adoption had to kick in where I thought, okay, how do I bring women from all over the world together? I work with women individually and in group settings. But when I tell you, Renee, I did not know what Zoom was. I did not know anything about anything technological. I now have my own podcast. I run 99.9% of my business online because I refused to believe it was too late mm-hmm. that I couldn't figure this out it's like when we want something bad enough yeah. it's just one one step at a time one decision every day that gets you a little bit closer we don't have to know the end result and the other thing I would say is if we wait until we feel fully ready whether to have that conversation in the marriage whether to start the business online we will wait an entire lifetime
1: yeah we're yeah.
0: never ready and the fear never goes away it's just <sighs> A signal, I think, that we care. The fear is just like there because we care.
1: I have a story about that because I have this desire and this urge to be a speaker, and yet I also have the fear. Of public speaking. And I recently, a couple weekends ago, went to North Carolina, spoke on stage at an event. And I'm telling you the entire week leading up to that, I was like, oh, maybe the weather will cancel it. Maybe COVID will cancel it. I was looking for every reason for it to be canceled. And it never did. And when I went on that stage for a moment, I was like terrified. And then I remembered why I was called to it. I'm like, this is why I wanted to do this. And it was like, you push through that fear and you pay attention. Like there was a reason why you wanted to do something and you do it afraid anyway. You know, it's it would have been so easy For me to say, I can't do this. I don't want to go, you know, there's COVID, there's snow, I don't want to do it. And I didn't allow myself to do that. And so I love that. And I love Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is something new in my forties that I will explore and I'm going to see what comes of it it's not the end.
0: Renee, I love that you follow this desire because I believe deeply that these desires are not put in our hearts or our souls or our bellies. They are not put there by accident. As humans, we all have our own very individual desires. And it's there as like our soul's calling, kind of saying, pay attention. I'm in here because this is really a part of your identity that I want you to step into, that I want you to walk out. So I love that you listen to that part of of your desire.
1: So is midlife a case of surviving or is it a case of not just thriving but where magic can actually happen? Well, that's like one of my taglines, right?
0: Is midlife is where the magic happens. I know, I prepared. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I really really believe firmly it is where the magic happens because there's something that happens and I'm not sure if you've experienced this yet, but there's something that happens the closer you inch to 50 that Gives less bucks for what other people think Mm -hmm. and not in a way that's harmful, not in a way that hurts other people, but in a way that says, I have lived so much life. And if I'm lucky, I've got this window over here of time and I'm not going to use my energy worrying about what other people will think. So instead I will turn my eyes and fixate on my goals because here's the thing I remind myself of every day. People will feel one of two ways about anything that we're doing, trying. We always think, oh gosh, what if I try something and I fail? What if people laugh at me? What if they do? Okay. And guess what? What if you come alive? What Mm -hmm. if you find a part of you, you discover a part of you you didn't even know existed in this new discovery. But for me, it's always this reminder of we're all so fixated and busy in our own minds, and our own lives, our own little relationships. Nobody gives really a crap about whether Mm -hmm. or not you tried something and failed. Nobody's sitting around talking about like, did you see Susan try the thing? And it just totally flopped. Like nobody's doing that. And if they are shame on them, because really what I hope is that every time a woman chooses herself and decides to begin again in midlife, my hope is that she lights the fire for every single woman watching and says, if that's possible for her, that's permission for me to try too.
1: Yeah, yeah. What about all of the women out there who have devoted their lives to raising their kids? And we know who they are. They've put everything about themselves on hold. They've put self-care on hold. They've put nurturing friendships on hold. And now they find themselves in a place where the kids are off and they're off to college maybe, or they don't need them as much. And now they're lost. Where do they begin to start to tap in to who they are and figure out who they are or who they want to be?
0: Well, I think it lives in this field of trying many different things until you find what lands for you. But when you're really not certain, the litmus test that I always utilize with clients, what I always walk women back to is tell me what you love to do when you were eight, nine, 10 years old. What did you naturally gravitate towards? Because most likely something in there is probably still true for her and alive for her. Mm -hmm. So how do we take that and either make it a great way that she invests in a hobby where she gets to meet other like-minded individuals or turn it into a business that she can pour her heart and soul into? And I would also say that it is essential for those of us who've been at-home moms with the hardest job in the world, it is essential that we do find our own identity outside of just mothering, because I really firmly believe it's such a burden to our children to Make our connection to them our sole existence for survival. Mm. It's really unfair to kids to feel that burden. I think they need to go out into the world and soar and become their own individuals who will, of course, always return to the nest, but less so if they feel a tight grip on them. And I see mm. moms do it. I see moms who smother their young children yeah. who don't want to come home from college because their whole existence is built in being the mother to those children. And that's a very
1: slippery slope. Oh, I love that so much. It's such a different perspective because we tend to think as moms, if we're not doing it all, all of the time and showing up a hundred percent, then we're failing our kids and we're actually enabling them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're actually enabling our kids and saying, I actually don't even trust that you can handle this. I don't trust that you can figure out your own life. I've got to hover over you
1: at all times. We're doing a massive disservice to our kids. Mm, I love that perspective. I hope everyone out there who's listening is really like, lets that seep in and they really take that to heart. So you spoke about something at the call that I was on that you spoke at a few weeks ago about being a queen versus being a baby princess. And I loved it so much. I wrote it on a little post-it note, which was like a little reminder as I'm figuring out how to lead in a way that I want to lead, how to be a boss. And that was a great little reminder for me. Can you talk about that and share that with all of my listeners? Absolutely. So
0: when I think of baby princess, I really am speaking about that inner child in all of us, that girl who got wounded somewhere along the way in development, who had a need that really needed to be met, whether socially at school or from a parent when she was little that got blocked, that did not get met. So she then spends her adult life trying to get her needs met, like trying to be in a circle with people or being in a group text, for example, and not receiving a message back and making it mean. This means nobody likes me. I I Mm -hmm. knew it. These women are so catty. I'm stepping out of this group. I never liked them anyways. Making it mean all of these things, rather than being the queen who comes back to that group text and says, I'm surprised I didn't hear from any of you. I would love to connect if that is in fact the attention or in a marriage, in a relationship, for example, somebody saying something and us taking it and twisting what we heard and coming back very reactively. That's a baby princess. A queen stands strong, takes in what was just said to her, reflects back how she feels about it, and then asks for clarification, asks for a better way forward in this relationship. And really, really takes up space, whether it's in her relationships with her girlfriends, in her business, in her bedroom. It's like, Mm. how do we stop pouting about things and giving people the silent treatment or the cold shoulder? That's very, very baby princess. You know, I remember years where my husband would say something that would put me off in a way where I would go into this silent treatment for 12 to 24 hours and rather than be who I am now, the queen who would say, you know, I want to circle back on what you said earlier. Mm. That really hurt because a queen owns all of her feelings. She's able to not dissolve into it and and go into the corner and pout. So it's like, how do we make all of the big decisions for our lives? And so what I always say to clients is baby princess is never going away. She's always going to be there. The difference is, are we letting her take the steering wheel of our lives and drive it? because she will wreak havoc on every relationship, on our businesses, on our sexuality, if we let her in her insecurity drive the wheel. So we just put her on our lap and we invite her to like be a passenger or sit in the back seat because the queen now has the wheel.
1: It's crazy to me that this is actually something, and you absolutely hit it. Like I know a lot of women who are the baby princesses and you can see it and how they communicate and show up, but This is the conversation that has to happen. Like, I don't see this in men. I don't see men having like, now I need to be the king versus, you know, the baby prince. Like, what is going on here? Why are women still having to struggle with this? Coming at you this spring, the She Who Wins Summit is my first live event. There is no other event like it out there. It's not a stuffy, boring conference. The She Who Wins Summit is a day-long event for women who are ready to up-level their life. This event will inspire you. This event will motivate you. This event will move you. Are you ready to supercharge your self-belief and ignite your soul? Join us. For more information, check out www.shewhowins.com. Hope to see you there.
0: Well, I think for so long, we have been having conversations in like the swampy, commiserating in the pain. And so we have been almost, I hate to say this, but for lack of a better word, it's like conditioned for this lower energy, this lower vibration, cattiness, snarkiness, constantly bitching and complaining about the relationships we're in rather Then the alternative, it's kind of like, we've just decided like, well, I guess this is just our lot in life. Yeah, I'm just, the chores are never done. The sex is terrible. Nobody ever helps out around the house. If I go back to work, I'm going to have to work that full-time job and the job at home. It's like, or you can decide to be a queen Mm. who says to the children, to the employer, to the relationship you're in, this is actually the truest way for me to be happy in this relationship is through X, Y, and Z. Tell me what you need and let's meet somewhere in the middle. That's what the queen does. Recognizing that not everyone's needs will always be met. And I think for women, it's like we need to have, and I talk about this constantly. in my podcast is even like, it's time for different conversations. We need to start having conversations of what does it mean to elevate and be the queen? And if you walk as a queen in this world, you will trigger the heck. Out of so many women because we are still not used to seeing what it looks like. We used to call it a diva. I can't mm-hmm. stand that word. I'm like, yep. no, she's a queen. She knows what she wants, she asks for it, and she makes it happen. And we need to see more examples of a woman who is well-bound to read, who knows how to ask for what she needs and stand firm in what it is because we've often acquiesced and then we're resentful. We lay down, we let people take all the things from us, and then we just mm-hmm. Bitch and complain and have resentment, which doesn't serve ourselves, doesn't serve our businesses or our people. So it's like learning to hold your own. And I will tell you, walking into the room as a queen, owning my words, owning the unbelievable things that I have created in my relationship the past two years, owning the phenomenal business, the well over multiple six figures in under a year, it triggers people. But you know what? I love the idea of if you feel triggered, stay close and instead, Switch it to activated. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself to be activated and say, huh, I'm really curious what's alive for me right now. When I see her shine so brightly, I feel like, oh, who does she think she is? Mm -hmm. What if instead of that thought, I had the thought of maybe I too can have some of that? Mm -hmm. Because I tell you, Renee, every time I'm triggered by a woman and I allow myself to trade it in for activation, I find that actually. I want more of what she has. I want yeah. the thriving business. I want the unbelievable orgasms. I want the relationship with my adult children that they just tell me everything. So when I feel triggered by another woman, I allow myself to get wildly curious with myself and allow it to be a way where I can go on a treasure hunt and discover more about who I am and what maybe I want more of. And I'm maybe playing too small.
1: Mm. I think that you and I are lucky in the sense of anyone in the digital world that at least I have come across the women who are bossing up, who are energy, who are positive. They're out to help each other. They want to help each other rise. And it's this amazing community of women saying her success is not my failure. Her success is her success and it can also be my success. And that makes me so excited. But I don't feel like everyone who isn't in this kind of space, a world that you and I live in have that same benefit. And that's not what's happening outside of this building or on the streets or with their own friend circle.
0: Well, I love that you say that. And I think there's so much truth because one, there is no, you know, my brand is revolutionizing midlife. There's actually no revolution with one woman. Mm -hmm. or five or 10 or 100 or 1000, we need the masses. And I am not interested in rising by myself or with just a few people. I want all tides rising, because the more women going higher and thriving, the more we begin to shift the paradigm for our future generation. And I think that the way it gets to be reflected in communities outside of the digital space, that is on you. And that is on me. That is on every woman who is in this world to take this energy, this paradigm, and bring it to our friends, to the women in our neighborhoods, to our mothers, our sisters, to all the women that we interact with outside of the digital space. I just had somebody talking to me about this this morning, saying, you know, as she's been working with me, it's getting harder and harder for her to tolerate a lot of the coffee dates that she used to go on before, because Mm. she's seeing it through this lens, this perspective, right? Of this work we're doing where she sees every woman as a light shining back on her, encouraging her to turn her wattage up. And so now because she has seen through that lens, she can't go back to that place where everyone sits and talks about everyone else. And so I think that we do have a responsibility for, trickling these messages and bringing this energetic and new paradigm to women in other parts of our life so that they can begin to feel the shift.
1: So what do you do if someone says, okay, exactly what your client had said, do you cut off those friendships or you just put them in its proper place?
0: So that's exactly what happened today. And we talked about when this person or these people begin to, in the same way, when someone makes a racist joke at a dinner party, Mm -hmm. right? If a woman starts with the gossiping and the snarkiness, it's just that pause and that lean in with sincere curiosity that says, I'm really curious why you would say that. It's very hard for the receiver of that message to get defensive. It's hard to get defensive with curiosity. So I would say before cutting off relationships, what if like Pablo Picasso's famous quote says, people typically only know one perspective and one way of seeing things. Until we show them a different way to see it. So I feel an obligation for the collective sisterhood that rather than just cut her off, I would love to offer her a different vantage point, a different way of seeing things. And then over time, if I'm not engaging in the snarkiness and the gossip and she doesn't stop, it's then fair game to say, I think I've outgrown this relationship. Mm-hmm. and to part ways and, and be able to see it for what it was at the time and the season in your life that it was. I don't believe we have to continue to be. And the truth is you, you almost just can't once, you know, this kind of collaboration in this world, you just can't be in those spaces anymore.
1: Yeah. So Dr. Hansen, what are you doing? What programs do you have? Because I know that you are changing lives with the work that you do. Thank you so
0: much, Renee. I do so many great things. I have, obviously I've got my podcast, which is for free. I have a free Facebook group called revolutionizing midlife for women, 40 plus, even if you're in your late thirties, please come (laughs) join us. It's like the most incredible if for lack of uh, a word, I, I use the word sorority, but it is everything you would ever dream of in the most loving, respectful, honoring place. It's such incredible vibes there. So I would recommend you begin there. And then I have one-on-one coaching for a year. So if someone signs up for me, they are with me for an entire year. Mm-hmm. That includes weekly Zoom calls, daily Voxer, where it's like having me in your back pocket and then VIP days, and then access to all my other programs. And my other programs are eight-week programs called the Queen's Inauguration, where you'd kind of dip your toe into the water and begin to understand this new mindset and this, these shifts, paradigm shifts. And then my six-month masterminds I have where women in eight women per pod, eight to 10 women per pod, we travel together. We meet three times per month over Zoom and we travel for a six-month journey of really rich, deep, profound, soul shifting, really, really uncovering and finding who you truly are. It's so magical. And as a matter of fact, in a couple of weeks, because that round is wrapping up. The pods of women are all coming here to my place in Miami, and we're going to be in retreat together for a couple of days to kind of close out the container. And not only have they all made unbelievable shifts in their life and reclaimed relationships in the most gorgeous ways, but they also have built this sisterhood that literally will be for the rest of their lives. It's unbelievable. So for women who are also feeling like, gosh, where do I begin? I want to make new friendships. I want to meet new women. This is a space and a place that is so luxurious and so sacred and safe. It'll blow your mind. It's unlike anything that we experience in sisterhood out in the real
1: world. That's amazing. And for anyone who's listening, who says, well, you know, I don't want to make that investment. Like I so strongly believe that it is worth every dime to invest in yourself and to belong to a program like yours, because it forces you and it reminds you every single week every day, every month, all year to show up for yourself. And you, sometimes you can't do it alone. You know, it's really, really hard to,
0: and I think that's what the women reflect back is how much they love the accountability because we are all there cheerleading for one another. And in the times that the Mondays to Mondays, so that week between where we're not physically meeting, they are in Voxer together. And I'm kind of like, you know, heading it up, if you will, but making sure that everyone is feeling seen and witnessed and supported in there. It's such a high vibration. It's that kind of world you step into where you believe no matter what heartbreak you come in with, anything is possible to begin again. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm really in favor of us being in devotion to ourselves. And when we think that we are a gamble or a risk, we will never invest in ourselves. And the universe will respond accordingly. It will just send you risky relationships, risky situations. It's when we say to the universe, I am an investment and I will devote time, money, and energy to my life. I mean, how much are we willing to say, like, my marriage has been saved, my fire for life has come alive in the biggest way it's ever been. What price tag is there really for your one and only life? We don't need another handbag. We don't need endless amounts of manicures and pedicures. I used to get all the manicures and pedicures and I'm not against them whatsoever. I love the pleasure of them. I haven't had one in almost two years because the fire I feel for being alive has nothing to do with how my fingernails or toenails look. I just, I can't get enough of the energetic of this experience that this is where I want to be. Thinking about going to get a Manny or Petty to me, feels like extractive. Like I don't even have the time in my schedule to do something like that because it doesn't nourish me Mm -hmm. in the empty ways that I used to think it nourished me
1: before. I think you bring up such a good point because we also live in a culture where, and for anyone who does this, like it's all personal choice, but you see it all through social media, the Botox and the fillers and the, all of the things, just the filters to make us look younger. And what you're saying is do what feels good, but do what makes you feel alive. Not what makes, not what surface. And, and i I'd love also that. say,
0: Yeah. And I'd also say, be cautious to what you think makes you feel good. Mm. I think that we've been brainwashed that we feel better when we look a certain way. I respect every woman's choice. I personally have chosen not to color my hair, not to do Botox, because for me, it is a spiritual experience. Waking up every morning and looking at the woman in the mirror who is aging in front of me reminds me of what I am actually doing as a human being here with another day with air in my lungs. I will not betray myself of that experience. It is an honor to witness her every day in the mirror. And in the same way that men are given wide open permission to age and women are punished for being human and for looking tired or for looking their age, you know there's a deeper level of sickness that is being perpetuated in our culture when we are obsessed with youth only for a woman. And I just won't. I personally won't have it. I find it terribly insulting.
1: Mm, oh my God. I love that so much. How do we find you? How do we connect with you? Everyone should be following you on Instagram.
0: You're so sweet, Renee. It's, my brand is uh, you could, Revolutionizing Midlife, but you'll find me at amandahanson.com, H-A-N-S-O-N. And then on Instagram, on Facebook, it's Revolutionizing Midlife.
1: And of course, I'll put all those links in the show notes. So, Dr. Hansen, final words on how all of us can revolutionize our midlife. Yes, with
0: one percent, just one percent shift every single day. So if you could start every day by looking in the mirror, and we don't we don't have to know the end goal. We just start with 1% today, in a couple of weeks, maybe 1% more, and eventually we get to like this whole new way of feeling about ourselves. So it starts with changing our cellular structure, our nervous systems. So the best place to begin is every morning to look at yourself in the mirror and say to yourself, I love you. You are so worthy. You are a goddamn miracle. That's it. Just start every morning and watch how that makes you feel differently, how you walk differently in the world, how you show up in the bed differently. Every morning, that devotion to self before we pick up our phone, before we do anything, it's us eye
1: contact in the mirror. Watch how it changes you in a cellular level. That's incredible. So I challenge everyone to try that. You are amazing. Your energy is coming through the screen today as well. I am just so honored that you shared your time and space with us. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for the privilege of being here, Renee. I deeply appreciate it. That's a wrap. Link up with us at MsReneeBauer.com. Remember to rate and review and share with anyone you think might find this episode helpful. You can change your story and live happy even after. (laughs)